You're listening to That'll Preach weekly segment on the Midtown podcast, Four Oaks Midtown podcast. Uh, we are releasing new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe, leave a comment. We'd love to hear more from you and uh, make sure you share this with everybody that you know. We want to get this thing going. We want to go viral. Is that everybody right, that you know. <laughs> everybody that you know. Uh, I'm Brian Zhang. I lead the College of Ministry and the uh, adult education at Four Oaks Midtown. I'm joined by Paul Rizcala, PhD student at Florida State University studying philosophy. And if you've been listening to us for a while, we were doing a little series uh, on, conver- on little conversations on different topics. Our goal is we're trying to push the envelope on conversations about gonna, culture and theology. Use the word conversations like four times. Conversa- let's have a conversation it's about such it. like a Christianese, evangelical. If you don't say conversation, people feel threatened. It yeah. can't be like, we're going we're gonna to yell at you on the radio. We're not even on the radio. We're no. going to yell at you. It's a conversation. <laughs> Right, you got to be like, I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I'm having a conversation. Yeah, that's right. And then you call them out through the conversation. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> that's what we do on this show. It's it's pure entertainment. Yep. And uh, we are in the middle of a series. We, we, we just started in the last episode called "Old Dead Guys." Old Dead Guys. O D G. Right. <laughs> uh, it's also a rap group name, but. ODG yeah. is uh, what we're what we're calling this, and the whole point is instead of giving you a boring history lecture about all the brilliant people that have come before us, we wanted to take a different approach. We want to look at interesting uh, Christian doctrines or interesting Christian ideas that that are important to the Christian faith and have conversations and about have them. conversations about them, <laughs> but also bring in church fathers. Older theologians, people from the Reformation, people who have who their works have stood the test of time, and include them as conversation partners. Did you see that mm. conversation partners well to guide us, to help us? And uh, we don't want to be. I mean, it'd be foolish to ignore the you know the, the insights of the church that mm-hmm. has come centuries before us. And uh, hopefully, it'll help make us. It not hopefully it will make us better Bible readers. So that's the point. We're going to look at a topic, and we're going to. Use uh, older theologians, old dead guys, to help us better understand that topic. And today, we got a good one, don't we, Paul? We do. We are talking about the Trinity. It's pretty important. The Trinity. And uh, the conversation partner we're going to bring in, it's actually a couple. A few. More than a couple. More than a couple. It's three guys, the Cappadocian Fathers. Also, Mm. a rap group. (laughs) (laughs) Someone needs to do that. Or like a... Like a sorority, like we're Kappa Cappadocia. No? No? Actually, that makes more sense than the rap group. I think Paul just threw up in his mouth. I did. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. bit. But uh, the Cappadocian Fathers, really important on understanding the Trinity and especially the deity of the Holy Spirit. Mm, Arguing and defending that the Holy Spirit is God. Why is it important that we get the Trinity right? That sounds so nerdy. I know. But why does the average Christian need to care about this kind of stuff? Well, first of all, <laughs> there's a Christianity Today study, I think it's from 2014, where they polled evangelicals on a bunch of different doctrinal issues. One of them was like, who is the Holy Spirit? And about 50% of them just said it was this amorphous force. And that's probably the force because the Holy Spirit is not just, yeah, it's like conjures up images of Star Wars and yeah, but the Holy Spirit's a person, one of the three persons of the Trinity, one of the three persons of the Godhead. Um, so that's kind of important for like getting the nature of God right. 
especially since this is who God is in himself. And we want to worship God as he's revealed himself. And we want to get that right. Uh, we want to get his name right. And yeah. Well, his name, if you think about how God, you know, when we, when we think about what we know about God, we can't start with what we think God should be like and then just sort of sketch that out from starting from us. Mm-hmm. We know God because he's revealed himself to us. And one of the things he says, if you think about Matthew 28, when we get baptized, we're baptized not in the name of God. Mm-hmm. We're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Which is interesting because it's the singular name. What is God's name? It is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's this weird thing where these three distinct people or you know persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, right? The Father's not the Son. The Son's not the Spirit. The Spirit's not the Father. And yet they are all the one name. They are all God. Mm. And... The fact that that's in Matthew 28 means that the old, the early church wrestled with the doctrine of the Trinity. They had an understanding of the Trinity. They may not have had sophisticated language like we do, right. but they understood that this worked together in, in, a, in a way that admittedly is, is mysterious. It's tricky. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, there, there's, there's more to it than that because as, as the early church is trying to understand it, well, one of the things that happens is they go, well, we hold these things together. We believe that they're all God. Well, then mm-hmm. certain people go, well, does that mean we have three gods? Right. Or does that mean it's one God with three different masks that he put mm-hmm. on? So all these questions start to develop as time goes on. Right. And a lot of those questions reached ahead when the Cappadocian Fathers came up. Right, 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 exactly. And I mean, if you ask even just Christians today, like the number one go-to evangelical analogy for explaining the Trinity is, well, you've got water and then water exists in three different forms, ice, liquid, and vapor. And that actually comes from, or is the same mistake that a lot of the early church fell into. Not a lot of, but there were some strains of like this error. And it was really like a a tendency that kept having to be corrected. The fancy term is modalism, if you're interested in that kind of thing. But it's that idea that you were talking about before, Brian, where you see God as having three different masks or three different roles rather than being eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if you think water is just ice, then it's liquid, then it's vapor. It doesn't exist that way all three at the same time. It transitions between different roles and different masks, so to speak. So that's one error of the early church that still like creeps into Christian thinking today with like these kinds of analogies. And it's one thing that we want to like guard against. And it's one thing that the Cappadocian fathers, Athanasius, a lot of the early councils were trying to fight and push back against that interpretation of the Trinity because it doesn't quite get the nature of God right. And we have to think about why do we have to get this right? It's not just for us. It's for future generations. Mm-hmm. It's about preserving the truth in the church. And that's why you want to have clear words so that someone 100 years from now can't go, well, they believe this. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we didn't because we are very clear about our language. Right. So we're not just thinking about ourselves, how this affects, you know, like my fears in life and mm-hmm. my anxiety and all this stuff. Uh, I think there's some application to that, but we got to think broader than that in the scope of the church in general. It's really important. Like oh, people yeah. died over this. People you yeah. know, suffered yeah. for this. And we would be very arrogant to look back and go, well, they were just caught up about words and it doesn't yeah. really matter. Well, no, it matters a whole lot. This, oh, is, sure. this is who God is. Yeah. Um, talk about the Cappadocian fathers. Who are these guys? What's the, what's their deal? The Cappadocian fathers. Uh, Kappa Cappadocia. Kappa Cappadocia. Oh, man. The Cappadocian fathers were three bishops that lived in Cappadocia, which was an area in Turkey, 
uh, right after. So if you listen to our last podcast on Athanasius, the Cappadocian fathers lived uh, contemporaneously at the same time, but they are slightly younger than Athanasius, and they lived in a different part of the Roman Empire. But there were three Christian bishops. Um, the names are cool. Gregory of Nazianzus. Then you've got Gregory of Nyssa. And then Basil, or as Brian likes to call them, Greg, Greg, and Basil. Yep. Um, Greg, Greg, and Bay. I don't even call him Basil. I just call him Bay. <laughs> Greg, Greg, and Bay. Uh, Gregory of Nyssa and Basil were actually brothers. And they were friends with Gregory uh, of Nazianzus. I think so, they went to school. They were sort of like college, quote-unquote college roommates, yeah. you know? What a crew. The trifecta. Yeah. But anyway, these, these three bishops were hugely influential in helping the church see and recognize the deity of the Holy Spirit. Um, they revised the creed from Nicaea. So if you remember from the last podcast, the Nicene Creed uh, affirmed the deity of Christ. There was another council a few years later where they added the deity of the Holy Spirit. So they helped us use the correct language to understand the Trinity. And they reaffirmed the deity of the Holy Spirit as well. They gave us the language of persons to identify and distinguish between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not different phases of God's existence. It's not like the Father exists, then becomes the Son, then becomes the Holy Spirit. He's not morphing into different people. right, Right, exactly. Uh, And the evidence for this, you see this in scripture. So for example, when Jesus is getting baptized by John, the heavens open and the father speaks and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And the Holy Spirit comes as a dove and rests on him. So you see all three members of the Holy Spirit there, uh, of the Holy Spirit, of the Trinity. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) All three members of the Trinity uh, present at the same time. So this, this shows that all three members of the Godhead are equal and we need to recognize and understand philosophically, just mean like precisely, what's the best language to use to capture what's going on here. And so the Cappadocian fathers settled on the language of God is one being, one substance, one divine Godhead, but existing eternally as three persons. And, and again, they're doing this because they care about the Bible. Oh, yeah. They're looking at the baptism and they mm-hmm. go, oh, this Father, Son, and Spirit are occupying the same space. At the same time. Right. So they're distinct, mm-hmm. right? Jesus isn't talking to himself from when the he heavens. Prays, right. He's not landing on himself as a dove. Right. But then you see that Jesus says, I and the Father are one, mm-hmm. and Jesus, and there is only one God, and Jesus affirms that there's only one God. Yep. And so all the church is doing is going, How do we make sense of these two? Mm-hmm. Right? We're we're just we're not we're not just sitting here twiddling our thumbs, going, how do we make this as confusing as possible? They're going, no, this is these are the deep mysteries of God, mm-hmm. and it deserves our attention, and we want to have a way to explain to future generations how to make sense of these, these two things. Right. And so now you, you talked about being mm-hmm. and persons. Yeah. Can you, so flush that out a little bit more. Yeah, so the best way to understand this is God exists eternally as one God. There's only one divine thing that exists, but the way that God exists is in perfect unity relationally. So there are three members of that Godhead and they have names, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they have this perfect unity. So there's one will, there's no contradiction between them. There's perfect love. Um, It is totally self-sufficiently a union of perfect love and it's 
that like God in himself just is loving. And this is one way to make sense of how God can be loving eternally. So if God is love and there's no creation to love, then how, how can you make sense of that? Well, you make sense of it by looking at the Trinity because the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Spirit, the Spirit loves the Father. All, all members love each other perfectly. So it's for this reason that we can say that God is all loving in his very nature. He exemplifies, he is actually a relationship Three persons in one perfect unity, one will, united, um, not three parts comprised together. Right. Jesus it, isn't a third of God. Right. And they and he form and he combines with the spirit who's a third and the father, so they become one. Like Megatron. But God, Jesus is a hundred percent God. Right. Yeah. Yes. Jesus is God. Yeah. The Spirit is God. The Father is God. Full stop. They are all the one God. Right. <laughs> and it gets tricky because like, tricky. That is tricky. like it's not one plus one plus one equals three. There is like a point at which like this is what we were talking about before. Like there are no good analogies to capture what's going on right. here because it is the nature of the creator of being itself. Like we shouldn't expect to be able to grasp yeah, who God, God is in and of himself. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like try explaining a MacBook to like a turtle. Right. There you go. It's very difficult. And yeah. I've tried that and uh, it takes Didn't a long go well. time because yeah. they're so slow. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, going back to your point though, yeah. with you know, the, when we talk about the nature of God, um, what's interesting is that we, th this is something that not only did the church fathers say it's important to get this right, but it's important in understanding salvation. It's important mm. in understanding how we understand ourselves in light of God. There yeah. are all these things that are tied up into understanding the doctrine of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Um so there's a, a sort of a classic way of saying, like you were saying, it's one eternally existent God mm -hmm. who eternally exists in three persons. Right. And what's interesting is that when you talk about love, mm. part of love isn't is doing the good for the other. Mm -hmm. That there's an object of love that is not yourself. Right. And you have that in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. that the Father is always pushing out love to the Son and the Son to the Spirit and the Spirit of the Father and, and, all, and all around. Mm -hmm. So that love has never been love has always been a part of god exactly god yeah. has there has never been a millisecond in eternity mm -hmm. where god was not pure absolute love right and there will never be a millisecond in eternity where he will not be love mm. if you can have milliseconds in eternity you can't but We'll do a philosophy. Yeah, i saw you you're like later. twitching <laughs> sweating you're like yeah um but yeah, I think that, that that's that's a powerful, powerful thing. Oh, for sure. Um, so, you know, just just so far, the early church debated about that, about yeah. language. They were mm -hmm. they're wrestling with the Bible on the oneness of God and the threeness of God. And they came up with a distinction saying God is one God mm -hmm. in three persons. Right. So the persons are distinct. And mm -hmm. yet each one, they're all God. Right. Right. And uh, so when we see when God reveals himself as the triune God, that is who he is. Mm -hmm. It's not a mask he puts on and there's right. a hidden, it's like the Wizard of Oz. You know, like there's the, the big, the, the, the Wizard of Oz is his big like head, you know, yep. and it's actually like a hologram and there's yep. actually a, a, a small guy behind the curtain. Well, there's no God behind the curtain, right? He really is as he reveals himself. He is, he's not going, I'm God. How do I make myself known to these humans? Oh, I'm going to make up this thing called I'm the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And then mm -hmm. he just does that. No, he's always been that way. Yeah. So we are, when we hear Jesus speak, we're hearing God speak. Mm -hmm. When we hear the Father speak, we're hearing God speak. When we hear the Spirit speak, we're hearing God speak. Yeah. So it's that direct uh, 
relationship that we have. Yeah. Um, if this is a little confusing, it should be. It should be. Yeah. But it's really important to get this started. And a lot of these conversations is just to really get your, you know, to dip your toe into the water a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just to challenge you a little bit on thinking about this. It challenges us. We don't have this all figured out. But I do. Right. Just you kidding. do. Yeah. But that's why it's great to have the creeds. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and maybe we'll talk about that towards the end. Yeah. About the importance of creeds. Let's, let's go back to the Holy Spirit. Let's do it. So when we left off in the last podcast, we saw that at the Council of Nicaea, all the bishops argued. We had the deity of Christ. Okay. Good, solid, sorted. But now, like, who's the Holy Spirit? We've right. got the, the Holy Spirit was added in that creed as sort of just like an afterthought. And we right. believe in the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, the Cappadocian fathers were distinctive. And what they gifted the church was they used the language in the Bible that talked about God and said, we can use that to talk about the Holy Spirit to the point that it made people uncomfortable. They're like, like other Christians, are, are you sure we can talk about the Holy Spirit as like God, as saving, as creator, as all these things? That, but th so they they were the first ones to recognize and they had that profound insight. Um, and they gifted that uh, conception to the church. And a couple of arguments uh, that they used in defense of the Holy Spirit as God. Well, if the Holy Spirit is making us alive with Christ. The Holy Spirit is not just like, it's the Holy Spirit changes our nature and makes us from dead to alive. What is that? That's an act of creation. Who is the only person who can create? God. And so they, they recognize you, in order for the Holy Spirit to like work in you, to sanctify you, to regenerate you, that has to be a work of God. So the Holy Spirit can't just be like a force or an immaterial thing that comes from God. The Holy Spirit has to actually be God himself. Um, so part of the Holy Spirit's work is sanctifying us, is creating in us a new nature. Second Peter 1 talks about how we're made partakers of divine nature. So there's a process of becoming like God there. And if the Holy Spirit is making us like God, then that means the Holy Spirit himself has to be God. So the Holy Spirit has this creative power, has this divining power, has this ability to take us and make us part of the divine nature. So they're like, you might think these are like a little bit of abstract arguments, but they do really show that like, in order for the Holy Spirit to be able to do work in us, it's only possible because the Holy Spirit is God. To intercede on our behalf, to groan for us, all these kinds of things are, are possible only if the Holy Spirit has a unique access to the divine Godhead. And so he himself has to be divine. Well, it's the power of God that works in us. Right, yeah. You know, we, we have God dwelling in us mm -hmm. the spirit and he makes our christian life go yeah so when we say that it's by the grace of god that i'm changing or that there's stuff the good stuff happening in my marriage or or you know I'm, I'm breaking habits of sin or there's more joy in my life mm. you can really go thank god because that is god that's god the spirit absolutely doing that in you bearing fruit it's the fruit of god like that's an amazing awe-inspiring thing mm. and the spirit judges people. He kills Ananias and Sapphira in yeah. Acts 5, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, he can be grieved. He knows the mind of God. Mm -hmm. uh, he, like you're saying that, you know, where the... He convicts the world. He convicts the world. Yeah. Where the where the spirit is, there is life. Mm -hmm. He's a life giver. Yeah. So there are all these, there's all this language associated with the spirit that you only speak about when you're talking about God. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that's, you know, it, it, it is sort of like we 
treat the spirit like a ghost or yeah, yeah. Well, the Holy Ghost. But 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 it's like he's he's an energy field. Right. He's not actually a person with a mind, mm -hmm. you know, with thoughts, uh, who loves. Right. And uh, and he's often called the shy member of the spirit because he's yeah. always pointing towards Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting because uh, we're not supposed to, in a sense, make a huge deal about the Holy Spirit because when we're glorifying the spirit, we're glorifying Christ. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. now, that's that's sort of the weird, you know, when we love the father, we, why do we love the father? Because he sent us the son mm -hmm. and he gave us a spirit. Why do we love the son? Because he shows us the father and he right. gives us the spirit. Why do we love the spirit? It's you can't have one without seeing the other. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of this. Right. And, uh, and, mm. and I think that that is why it's so important for us to to grasp why it's important to see that we have proper language for the Trinity mm -hmm. and that the Holy Spirit really is God. Yeah. Even though it's difficult to like conceptualize it or think in those terms, it's important that we just at bottom affirm it and begin to like, like you said, the work of God in us, the power of God, the grace of God, we have those like tangibly, practically because of the Holy Spirit. So like beginning to like think in those terms, like the Holy Spirit is like God working in me and he points to Christ. He convicts me. He does things, right? He's not this inanimate, amorphous force, right? He's a person and he does the work of God and he points to Christ and he convicts and all these kinds of things. Now let's talk about uh, maybe, maybe in, as a point of application or, you know, whatever, like, like, why does this, how do, how do we, how do we understand all of this? Well, I think one of the, if you feel overwhelmed by this, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's why we have creeds. Right. Exactly. And not just the Tallahassee rock band that sold, that went multi-platinum. Do-do band creed. Yeah. With arms wide open. Come on, Paul. Nobody do, do listens to creed anymore. With arms wide open. My arms are broken. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm very, I apologize to all of our listeners. I do too. All two of you. <laughs> but uh, creeds. Okay. Why are creeds important for the average Christian to have at least a familiarity with? Like the Apostles' Creed. Mm -hmm. Or the Nicene Creed. Why, why do we? Are oh, you asking me? I'm asking you. Oh, yeah. Okay. You were just like, <laughs> I agree. And I'm yeah. like, okay, we're done. <laughs> the creeds are like, um, this is the analogy. This is one place where it's useful to use analogies. Uh it's like the bumpers that you have when you go bowling. Nobody goes bowling anymore. But like when you did when you were a kid, like you remember like they pulled up the bumpers on the what on the lane. So like when you threw the bowling ball, you had something to protect where the ball was going so that you got to an endpoint. It specified the parameters. It like kept the ball in play. So you creeds, were also actually throwing it. That's what, was, that's what was awkward for you as a kid, Paul. You were chucking it down. Never very good at bowling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's, 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 it, it keeps everything it keeps you on the right track. Yeah. So right. creeds do that. Creeds like tell us where the boundaries of like faithful Christianity lie, at least in terms of doctrine. So they tell us who is Christ, who is the Trinity? Um, how do we understand the relationship between persons and Godhead? How do we understand that Jesus is truly God and truly man? Um, like, does he have one will? Does he have two wills? Does the Trinity have one will or three wills? And there are lots of like deep, interesting philosophical debates there, but precision is important at get, like to get the nature of God, right? Because like we mentioned in the last podcast, 
a lot of getting this right matters for salvation. Like if we don't understand the incarnation right, then we don't, like salvation there is, is contingent on God being a human in this kind of way. So too, like God can only be loving if he's a trinity, all these kinds of things. So the creeds specify for us where the range of orthodoxy is. They set the the ball parameters and tell you where the boundaries are. It's kind of like, guys, we've thought about this. Right. And you don't think it's important yet. You don't you need to thought, reinvent the wheel. Yeah. You haven't thought about this as much as we have. And yeah. if you think a little bit about it, you're going to go, oh, yeah. that's why you said that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we told you. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the creeds are really important. And I, you know, it's important to recite them in church. It's important for people to know them. It's a great mm-hmm. tool to teach kids. I mean, it just gives you a framework. Yeah. For understanding the Bible, because one of the problems with with you know just read the Bible for yourself, it's like, have you tried that? Yeah, it's there's some stuff that's super confusing. Oh, yeah, yep. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, I don't know if you'd come up with an orthodox view of the Trinity if you just sat down with the Book of John by yourself. You wouldn't, you know, like because there's so weird... much complexity. Oh yeah, right. You'd end up being a Jehovah's Witness right. or, or Mormon. Right. Right. Exactly. So we do need the help of the community, the help of the church to make us better, to make us better Bible readers. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Why yeah. do we think we'd be better, a better Bible reader by ourselves? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be better by ourselves than with the vast amount of knowledge passed down through the ages from yeah. brilliant people? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a very arrogant thing to do. We have to, to trust praying. that like God guides the community of the church providentially as a whole. Right. And when we think about like, expertise expertise lies in communities even with science like right like one rogue scientist like doing some weird experiments on an island by himself like if you're not doing it in community the chances of you arriving at the truth are going to be really really small right there are like there's a host of resources and like people have fleshed out assumptions and figured out where the wrong positions are and you have a like a massive head start if you use those resources and not try to like reinvent the wheel on your own and if you do like the chances of you going wonky are much higher. You won't make a wheel. You'll make like this square. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, um, really so cool. super important. And, yeah. you know, I, I remember reading this uh, professor who he's a professor of Greek and he was saying, you know, people who say, you know, don't use Greek in your preaching or don't use Greek hmm. in your sermon prep. He's like, the only people who say that are people who don't know Greek. <laughs> and I, I kind of think you know, when people say we don't, don't worry about the creeds or anything and stuff. Those are people who don't have never read the creeds, yeah, you know, yeah. because if you read them, you go, wow, this is wonderful. This mm. is great. This is really helpful. Yeah. And uh, so there's you can find like the Apostles Creed is a great place to start. You can go online. You can see it. And there's the Nicene Creed. Yeah. And a great way is just to read it. If you don't understand all of it, that's OK. Take yeah. it piece by piece. But just go, man, OK, this is a this is how the church has historically understood. And this is my doctrine. faith. Like this right. is this is what we believe we're as not Christians talking about, for all two thousand years. Right. We're not yeah. talking about like theories on the end time. Right. We're not talking about like predestination. We're not talking about baptism. We're not even talking about these other things. We're talking about like fundamentally who yeah. is God. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're going to spend your time on anything, this is it. Yep. Right? Mere Christianity. There you go. But uh, yeah. So hopefully this challenges us to grow in our knowledge of church history and of the creeds and to challenge us to really uh, think through and appreciate also the contributions of those who have gone before us. Thank you guys for listening. Again, make sure you subscribe to this. We're going to have a new episode every Tuesday. Let people know about this and uh, appreciate you listening.